The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, and welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Beth Pinsker, a financial planning columnist at Market Watch, and I'm joined today by Dr. Mina Seishamani, Deputy Administrator and Director of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Seishamani. Thank you so much for having me. It is so great to hear from Medicare itself um, when there's so much uh, out there about Medicare right now during open enrollment season, uh, which is the middle of October to the beginning of December. There are commercials out there, there are mailers going out, there's advertisements everywhere, and people are really looking for you know a solid source of information. Um, so l- let's start there. What is Medicare's official like take on open enrollment this year? What's new? What's exciting? What do you think people need to be thinking about? Absolutely. And this is why I'm so pleased to be able to join you and um, your listeners today, um, because open enrollment is the time of the year where people can choose the option that works best for them in the Medicare program. There are different ways that you can get your Medicare coverage um, depending on your health needs, which can change from year to year, your financial situation, which can change from year to year, the options that are available change year to year, and also we have some really exciting changes in the Medicare program, um, in large part thanks to the new drug law. And so it's so important every year that people use the open enrollment time to evaluate what works best for their health needs and their financial situation. Yeah, that is really exciting. Um, With Social Security, you pretty much make a decision in the beginning. And we always remind people that Medicare, you have to make this decision you know, every year. It's not just, oh, should I take Medicare and when should I take Medicare? It's every year you have to pick a plan. Yes, and you know, the, the basic, the first level of options is between traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage. So maybe it would help. I can kind of explain, you know, quickly about that. Sure, Medicare covers Medicare covers, you know, hospital costs like inpatient costs, as well as medical costs like from doctors and you know outpatient care. And you can get that coverage in two main ways. Traditional Medicare is traditional you know, through the government where you can see any provider, healthcare provider that participates in the Medicare program. We partner with approximately 1 million clinicians, 98% of healthcare providers in the country. So you could see any, you know, doctor, for example, that you want. Um, Medicare Advantage is where a, a private plan, private health plan offers that um, health care coverage. Because it's a private plan, you have to see a doctor or other health care provider that is in the network of that private plan. 
And that private plan can also put in place some other requirements in terms of what is covered or what is not. Private plans can offer additional benefits like dental, hearing, vision. So that's why it's really important to understand at that first step of what are things that might be important for you. Go ahead. Does Beth. Medicare have an opinion about what people should do in that circumstance, whether they should take an Advantage plan or whether they should go with a, a Medicare supplement, uh, Medigap plan? Like, does does Medicare know what people are doing and do, do, do they have an opinion about it? Our priority is making sure two things. Number one, that all parts of the Medicare program are driving improvements in quality of care, access to care, um, and making sure that all parts of the program are really helping us to be good stewards of the program to serve the people who rely on the program. Our second priority is to make sure that the more than 65 million people in the Medicare program can pick the option that works best for them because everybody has different health needs, everybody has different financial situations. So it is very important to us to help people to navigate and figure out what works best for them. So as you said, you know, Beth, there are some people for whom <clears throat> traditional Medicare, you know, perhaps with, a, you know, Medigap, Medicare supplemental insurance, for others it might be Medicare Advantage. And there's also what's known as Part D, the prescription drug coverage. Um, right. And being able to evaluate all of those is important. And I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more about <laughs> how people can do that. Well, one of our readers has asked a follow-up question. Thank you very much, Jonathan, um, for helping me out here. Uh, he wants to know whether um, Medicare solvency is affected by the choice between traditional Medicare or Medicare Advantage. Is there any benefit to the program in terms of its long-term solvency? if you choose one that's or the other? Great, that's a great question. And, you know, our priority is to make sure that all parts of the Medicare program are helping us to be good stewards of the program and of the Medicare dollar. That's why a lot of the work that we're doing across the programs is to really spend do dollars in a smarter way to keep people healthy, keep them out of the hospital, and really enable everyone to feel like they're being cared for as people and not just a disease that's being treated. You know, I, I took care of patients as a physician until I took this role leading Medicare. And that's something that really means a lot to me as I was taking care of patients. You know, like if you can address and care, and care for people through all the aspects that impact their health, you keep people healthier, you keep them out of the emergency room, out of the hospital, it really is a win-win. And that is what we strive for in all aspects of the Medicare program. Well, that's really terrific. Um, what do you make uh, during open enrollment, you turn on your television and you know watch certain channels that cater to, to the Medicare population and you're gonna see a million ads out there. What do you what is what do you make of all those ads? One of our viewers, um, uh, Kama, has asked, um, "What's the way to cut through all that hype over the Advantage plans?" Um, they, she wants to know if uh, access to clear information and the pros and cons, and and how do you how do you get that? I'm so glad that one of the one of your listeners asked this question. Um, there are many ads out there, so a few things. First. Medicare.gov 
and 1-800-MEDICARE are the official sources for information on Medicare during open enrollment. So that's medicare.gov and 1-800-MEDICARE if you want to call us. We're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you go to medicare.gov, some of what we've been talking about so far you know, in this podcast we walk through that on the website, helping you to figure out what you're eligible for, what the different options are. You can even input your prescription drugs and get a side-by-side -side comparison of different options and see what your costs are, see what the quality is, you know, helping you to figure out, you know, con con contacting plans, figure out, you know, is your, is your healthcare provider in their network? So Medicare.gov is very helpful. 1-800-MEDICARE, if you want more, you know, additional information and speak with someone, you can call us anytime, and we are happy to help. And the third way to get information is through local state health insurance program counselors. So if you go to shiphealth.org, you can get a counselor who is local to you who can provide personalized information. So that's the first bucket of Medicare.gov, 1-800-MEDICARE, and shiphealth.org. The second bucket of you know, what I'd like to talk about here is that marketing. We have done a lot of work to clamp down on predatory and misleading marketing practices um, during open enrollment. Um, in fact, we have rejected more than 300 television ads that we found to be misleading. Wow. And we've also, created we've also created regulations. For example, if someone is a seller of certain plans, they have to specifically state that, that they are not selling all the options in Medicare. They're focusing on certain plans. They can't use the Medicare logo in a misleading way. So, you know, with that, I encourage all of our listeners, if you see things that are misleading, please do call in and tell us because we want to, our goal really is, to make sure that people can navigate what their options are to really pick what is best for them. Well, that is really terrific. And for everybody who's listening right now, if you're live on the broadcast, you can ask questions. I just want to remind you that we've got some questions already, but um, we can always do more and we're going to answer as many as we possibly can. So keep those questions coming. Um, I want to talk more about drugs uh, and the drug plans because we get a lot of questions from readers and <laughs> you know, the questions are like, what about this drug and what about that drug? Mm -hmm. um, and why doesn't it cover more drugs? And what, you know, you're doing a lot of work about pricing and coverage of, of new drugs and um, older drugs that are on the market. Tell us what your efforts are leading to and what's coming up next. That's right. So um, thanks to the new drug law, there are many changes <clears throat> that have already been put in place and that are forthcoming for the Medicare program. So starting with what is already in place for everybody to know about, people who have Medicare prescription drug coverage do not have to pay anything out of pocket for a recommended vaccine. So that shingles vaccine that before people were paying $200 for, you get at no cost. So it's very important for people to know that so that they can go and get these recommended vaccines like RSV, like shingles, like, you know, tetanus and, you know, whooping cough. Also, people who take insulin do not have to pay more than $35 a month for a covered 
insulin product, which is huge for people who take insulin. I mean, traveling the country, I've heard that some people are spending, you know, a few hundred dollars on insulin. Now, no more than $35 a month. And That's incredible. Up, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's seriously life-changing for people. You know, I, I led our diabetes care management pathway in my prior job as a healthcare provider and heard all the time about patients who couldn't afford their insulin and couldn't have their diabetes under control. So it is, it is huge. Coming up for 2024, and this is very important because, you know, we're in open enrollment now for 2024. Starting on January 1st, people who take high-cost drugs, where they would hit what's called a catastrophic part of their drug benefit, like, you know, higher out-of-pocket costs, they have a limit to what they would pay. They will not pay anything more out-of-pocket when they hit that catastrophic phase. This is the first time in the history of the Medicare program that there isn't this, like, never-ending, the amount that you pay keeps going and going. Because that leads into, in 2025, there will be a $2,000 limit on what someone pays out of pocket for drugs in the year. So, you know, as people are looking around at plans, keeping in mind, you know, the insulin no more than $35, that if you have high-cost drugs, you will not have to pay anything once you hit the catastrophic phase, and then getting to... The getting to 2025 when there will be a $2,000 out-of-pocket limit. That is terrific. And there's even more coming for 2025, right? There is even more. So as, um, as you, you know, likely have heard, we have stood up our Medicare drug price negotiation program. The first time in the history of the Medicare program that Medicare will negotiate drug prices directly with pharmaceutical manufacturers for some of the highest cost drugs that do not have competition. Following the law, we have announced the first 10 drugs for selection, and they include drugs for diabetes, for heart disease, blood thinners, um, cancer. And, you know, our priority is to reach agreement on a fair price for Medicare for those drugs. So that will be happening during 2024. Those negotiated prices then go into effect in 2026. And the other provision in the new drug law is what's called the inflation rebate. Basically, we know that drug companies have increased you know, prices on their drugs. And this provision of the law will discourage drug companies from increasing their drug prices faster than inflation. Because if they increase their drug prices faster than inflation, they will have to pay that money back to Medicare. That already started. It started in, in between October and January um, of uh, this past year. So that provision also will help to keep drugs more affordable for people in Medicare. That is terrific for um, seniors coming up. Um, we get a lot of questions here uh, also all the time about people who are working at 65. We are entering peak 65 as uh, it's known in the demographic area where uh, 10,000 people a day are turning 65, which means that they are joining Medicare. And one of our viewers, Roy, asks, um, what are the rules for people who are working 
past that age if they're enrolled in their company healthcare plans. And if you think, you know, Medicare is going to change in some way because so many people are working past that age now because of longevity and all of that. That's a great question. Um, so bottom line up front is that there are several different situations here for people who are working past 65. So my main advice is to talk to your employer's insurance provider and see if that coverage is what's called employer group health coverage. If it is not, then we strongly encourage people to sign up for Medicare when they turn 65 to avoid paying a late enrollment penalty. So some of the details with that is that if a person turns 65 and they have this group health plan coverage, they can delay enrolling in Medicare now and they can enroll later without a penalty. But if they have coverage that is not considered group health plan coverage, then they you know, should enroll in Medicare now. What about the long-term effects of, of the age shift in America? How does, how does Medicare plan to address that? I appreciate you asking that question. You know, I think this is, this is something that we are definitely considering as we are thinking about how we improve quality and how we, you know, as we were talking about care for people in the Medicare program. So there are many different things that we're doing in this vein. For example, just yesterday, um, we have finalized payments for training caregivers um, because we know that especially as people get older, oftentimes there are caregivers helping to care for them. And to be able to have healthcare providers get paid to train the caregivers to be able to provide better care in the home is very important. We are also going to be paying for care navigation services. So when people have multiple chronic conditions and serious conditions like cancer, that you can have someone who's really supporting you through all of that. We also have a new model through our innovation center called the guide model, specifically for people who have dementia and how we can best support care there. So there are many ways that we are trying to incorporate the important needs of an older population into the Medicare program to make sure that we're continuing to care for people in that like holistic way, providing high quality care and making sure people have access to what they need. That is terrific. Thank you for that. Um, we have gotten so many good questions in from our readers. I'm going to turn my attention to some of those. Um, for instance, Karen asks um, if you can speak to the solvency or insolvency of some of the Medicare Advantage plans. Do, do people need to worry about whether those healthcare companies providing the Advantage plans are going to have some financial troubles and be able to pay out claims? That is a great question, Karen, and I appreciate you raising it. Um, we recently released what we call our landscape of, you know, what are going to be the options for Medicare Advantage for the coming year. And the options for Medicare Advantage continue to be robust. Premiums are stable. Benefits are stable. And this is an industry that is strong. So we do not have any concerns about um, insolvency in the Medicare Advantage space. 
And uh, for Cynthia, uh, wants to just clarify the, the website you were referring to before for the state health insurance organizations. It's SHIP, S-H-I-P as in Peter, right? Yes, it's S, S as in Sam, H-I-P as in Peter, help.org. Or you can and, always call us at 1-800-MEDICARE, and we can also direct you to the local um, SHIP organizers. Yeah, just wanted to be clear about that in case uh, somebody didn't catch that earlier and didn't want to hit the, the rewind button afterwards. Um, let's see here. We have um, Lee asking a very common question that we get a lot um, about this choice you make every year uh, for open enrollment. If you want to make a different choice in another year and then make a different choice after that, how hard is it to switch back and forth? between Medicare Advantage and traditional Medicare, between uh, Medicare Advantage and a Medigap plan, and then back again, and then between different Medicare Advantage plans. Does, does that, are there restrictions involved? Is it just a matter of logistics? How does that work for people? That's a, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so one thing to keep in mind is that if you, if you switch from traditional Medicare with a Medigap plan into Medicare Advantage. Depending on your state, if you want to switch back to traditional Medicare, there may be some challenges with getting the Medigap plan again. So it, that's one thing to keep, to keep in mind. Um, and again, if you call us at 1-800-MEDICARE, we can help you with your specific situation um, with that to find out more details depending on your, your um, specific situation. But if you, if you go from traditional Medicare to Medicare Advantage, that Medigap plan issue is something um, to keep in mind. The other it's thing just... to keep in mind, if you are changing from traditional Medicare to Medicare Advantage, or if you are changing within Medicare Advantage plans, is something that I mentioned at the beginning about provider networks. Mm -hmm. Each health plan is going to participate with different providers. And we hear a lot, in fact, this is one of the reasons that we have done all the work we've done on marketing, because we have heard of people in Medicare who switched to a different plan and then could no longer see the doctor that they had been seeing like for years. And so it is very important if you are changing that you look at your prescription drugs and make sure your prescription drugs are covered, that the pharmacy you go to is in the network, that what any doctors or you know, nurses, anybody that you see is in that network so that you can maintain your continuity of care. You know, I'm very impressed because our readers are asking kind of hard questions and we haven't stumped you yet. So, <laughs> no, I mean, these are great questions because these are, I mean, this is exactly that's why we're doing this, right? Because yeah. it's so important that this program, like, we really are keeping all of you at the center of everything we're doing. If we can't be successful in helping all of you, then we're not successful. So I'm really glad we're doing this. <laughs> Me too. Um, so, here's, here's an, another hard one. Um, Ken is asking, why is Medicare Advantage not available in some areas? Like, why is this a, a local um, offering? You know, you have plans for your county, plans for your state, 
um, it goes to the core of how Medicare is organized and especially how Medicare Advantage is organized. So I was hoping you could shed some light on, on just the, the theory behind how those plans are offered. That's right. Because Medicare Advantage is done by private health plans, plans generally do their contracting in specific areas. So that's why you have kind of a more regional um, approach where they're offered, they may be offered in one area, but not offered in another area. It all depends on where a plan has decided to, you know, offer a product and contract with healthcare providers to provide care. That is a good answer. Um, we have a good one from Neil, um, who wants to touch more on what you were talking about of caregiver training. Um, and wants to know if there are any plans to change the long-term care insurance model that Medicare has. People are very confused by this. Um, you know, they think that because Medicare covers hospitals and rehab centers after a hospital stay, that um, long-term care is covered in a nursing home situation, and it's not covered by Medicare. Um, but what are the long-term implications of that and will that change at some point? That's a very good question as well. So, you know, taking a step back, the way the Medicare program works, there is the Medicare law, which is like the 50,000 foot level that basically says this in general is how, what you can do in the Medicare program, what is not possible in the Medicare program. Then our work, our policies are kind of at like the 20, 25,000 foot level where we then give more granularity to, you know, what kinds of payments and how are they done? And, you know, some of the things that we've been talking about, you know, on this, on this call. And then you have how care actually plays out on the ground, right? Like we were talking about how plans contract with providers, for example, and, you know, what drugs and what pharmacies are in, are in the network. Um, the long-term care issue is one of a law issue where, you know, as you mentioned, Beth, there are certain requirements that must be met in the Medicare law in order for these kinds of services to be paid for in the Medicare program. And so, you know, fundamental changes to that require um, Congress to change the law. That is not something that we on the what's called the administrative side um, can do, have the authority to do. Exactly. And a lot of families face this. I mean, I faced this um, over the summer with my mother, you know, when she was, you know, at the end of her Medicare days at a rehab center. And we just basically, mm -hmm. we were literally counting, you know, when did she go into the rehab center and how many mm -hmm. days has it been and how many days will Medicare approve? And then, you know, what happens after and what happens after is we had to pay for it. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the rules just, um, you know, you have to plan ahead for these things. You have to know what the rules are. You have to know what's what's sort of covered and what's not covered. Um, and it makes it makes it easier if you you just know what you're up against. Um, so uh, no, that's exactly right, Beth. And that's why you know people who have questions give us a call one eight hundred Medicare because these are exactly the kinds of things that we want to make sure that we are helping people to understand as they are making decisions and as they are planning. 
Yes. Um, so Timothy brings up a good point about um, monthly premium levels and how much how much this all costs, which is something we actually haven't talked about, like how much actual real people pay for this stuff um, and how what you can afford, you know, sometimes drives what choice you pick and, you know, what's less expensive and more expensive and, and, and so forth. Can you just talk in general about, um, you know, where people with different income levels approach this, uh, you know, paying for their their part of their Medicare coverage? Yes, yes, that's a great question, um, Timothy. Thank you. Um, so as I had mentioned, you know, Medicare has kind of it's in letters, right? Part A is um, the inpatient, you know, hospital and you know, skilled nursing facility, you know, that that segment. There are no premiums associated with that. Then part B is, you know, the outpatient, physician, you know, those kinds of costs. There is a premium associated with that. Um, and then part D, the prescription drug, has a premium associated with that. Um, so that part B premium, there is a premium that is set each year, but the amount that you pay can vary based on your income. And in particular, there's something called the income-related monthly <laughs> adjustment amount, or IRMA. Um, yes. And that Part B premium may be higher depending on the assessment of any IRMA. So that is yes. one thing to keep in mind. That is a formula. If you recall, I mentioned like that some things are in the Medicare law. Mm -hmm. The IRMA is based on a formula that is specified in law. There are like various tiers to it depending on like income levels, um, from tax returns from two years prior, and there's a calculation that's done based on this formula to determine that. Yes, Irma makes Aside our readers that, very mad. <laughs> they don't like yeah, Irma. I mean, it is it is something that is in the law, and we we do have to you know we do have to operationalize the Medicare program consistent um, with the law. I think one other thing to keep in mind with premiums is Medicare Advantage. So in Medicare Advantage, um, there is also, you know, a, a monthly premium if the plan, you know, charges a premium. So there could also be a premium on the Medicare Advantage side. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so people need to pay attention not only to the doctors in their network, but also how much this all costs. So it's important to, and to know And I think you raise a good too. point, Beth. You raise a good point because it is how much it all costs because people cost for healthcare is the premium and also things like how much do you pay in a copay when you go to the doctor? How much do you pay at the pharmacy counter when you go to pick up a prescription? And we really try on Medicare.gov to enable people to understand what their total costs would be, right? Because you could have an option that has a lower premium, but for the doctors you want to see or for the medications you're on, you would end up overall paying a lot more money because some of the things might not be covered, right? So exactly. that, those are the kinds of things that people need to, you know, look into when they're choosing the option that's best for them. That is that is very good advice. Um, Carol asks uh, about possible denials of uh, enrollment in some of these plans. Like she wants to know if you can be turned down for an advantage plan or a supplemental plan if you um, have a serious medical condition or your medical condition changes during the year? 
Um, that's a that's an excellent question. And, and no, you cannot. There is no, um, you know, looking into the uh, you know medical medical conditions um, in uh, determining enrollment. And if there are any issues with that, then I encourage you to call one eight hundred Medicare and let us know so that we can look into the details of that case. Great, that is good <clears throat> advice. Um, Lee uh, wants to know more about how those Medicare Advantage Zero premium plans work and how they get paid by the government. So does the government pay them like on a per patient basis? Do you, uh, this might be outside of your purview, so I apologize if it is, but um, you know, those Advantage plans often come with a lot of um, bells and whistles, you know, zero premiums, mm -hmm. supplemental cares, like how does that all get covered on the back end financially? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the Medicare Advantage program does work by the government pays um, a Medicare Advantage plan a calculated amount for each person that is enrolled in the plan. And then the plan uses that money to, you know, cover all of the benefits that are required to be covered and then can provide some additional benefits, um, such as buying down, you know, a, a premium. One of the things that has been a priority for us in the Medicare program, and this comes back to what some of, you know, your listeners have been asking about solvency, it's, it's, a, it's a priority for us in the Medicare program to make sure that we are paying the health plans accurately. So we have been, we have made some changes to how we are determining what that per person payment should be to make sure that it is more accurately reflecting the cost of providing care to those people. That's that's really good. Um, thank you. Uh, Keith wants to know um, further more information on th that problem switching between traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage. And if there's like a reason behind that, is that a protective measure of some kind? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, it, it varies by state because states determine, you know, there are state you know, health insurance commissioners that determine some regulations at the state level. And this may be getting a little bit too in the weeds, but the <laughs> Medigap programs are run at the state level. And so it is something that, again, if that's something that is of consideration for you, calling us 1-800-MEDICARE and we can help direct you so that you can learn more about that, um, about whether that's something that would apply to you in terms of how you know, if you are trying to come back into a Medigap plan, um, if there are restrictions in your state. Uh, well, that, that's a good answer. Thank you. Um, these have been such good questions and you've been so good at answering them. I'm wondering if you think what, like our questioners are asking very specific questions and they are interested in the details and all of these uh, complications of Medicare and how you actually use the program. Do you think that they are um, hungry for this information, that they should, that there should be more sources of information out there for them, or are they just sort of um, overthinking it a little bit maybe? I don't know. Like, are they, are, are we a little bit too obsessed with all the details? Absolutely not. Um, you know, healthcare is very complex and it's very personal. You know, everybody has, everybody has their own story, right? Like our bodies, our minds, our families, 
like it is all very personal and it is very you know specific to our circumstances so absolutely not at all this is not overthinking and this is exactly why you know i've been emphasizing medicare.gov 1-800-medicare and shiphealth.org because everybody does have their specific situation with their health needs their financial situation you know their living situation that we want to make sure that people know that there are resources available where you can talk to someone and say hey these are the medications I'm taking, or this is my, you know, family situation, and I'm trying to navigate this. This is my doctor's situation. People are available to help, and we want to make sure that everybody is able to, pick, especially during this open enrollment time, that everybody is able to pick the option that works best for their unique story and their unique situation. And on that note, it's also important to keep in mind, December 7th is the last day of open enrollment. So act now. I know everybody has the tendency, <laughs> myself included, to put things off until close to deadline. But given how complex this is, it is very important to start now, ask your questions, evaluate your options so that you can make the choice that's best for you by December 7th. Because after December 7th, open enrollment closes. And unless you have a certain special circumstance, you will not be able to change your option until open enrollment next year. Well, that is a very good message uh, for us to end on. We could spend all day answering these questions because we have so many more, but I assure our readers that we are gonna take your questions and we are going to answer them uh, you know, on marketwatch.com and get as many of them answered as we possibly can. Um, but I wanna, Thank Dr. Seshimani for coming today and for being so patient with all of our very, very detailed and hard questions. And um, so thank you very much. It and, really is my pleasure. And for our viewers out there, please join us again on Monday. Barron Senior Managing Editor Lauren R. Rublin and Deputy Editor Ben Levinson will speak to Matt Gertgen, Chief Strategist of BCA Research on the outlook for financial markets, industry sectors, and individual stocks. Thank you for listening. Remember that that deadline is December 7th for Medicare Open Enrollment. And stay safe and have a good day. Thank you very much. The energy transition is a long and winding road and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.